Chapter Seventeen of an Anonymous Story by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Seventeen. She used, as before, to come into my room in the morning to coffee, but we no longer dined together, as she said she was not hungry and she lived only on coffee tea and various trifles such as oranges and caramels and we no longer had conversations in the evening i don't know why it was like this ever since the day when i had found her in tears she had treated me somehow lightly at times casually even ironically and for some reason called me my good sir what had before seemed to her terrible heroic marvellous and had stirred her envy and enthusiasm did not touch her now at all and usually after listening to me she stretched and said yes great things were done in days of yore my good sir it sometimes happened even that i did not see her for days together i would knock timidly and guiltily at her door and get no answer i would knock again still silence i would stand near the door and listen then the chambermaid would pass and say coldly madame est partie then i would walk about the passages of the hotel walk and walk english people full-bosomed ladies waiters in swallow-tails and as i keep gazing at the long striped rug that stretches the whole length of the corridor the idea occurs to me that i am playing in the life of this woman a strange probably false part and that it is beyond my power to alter that part i run to my room and fall on my bed and think and think and can come to no conclusion and all that is clear to me is that i want to live and that the plainer and the colder and the harder her face grows the nearer she is to me and the more intensely and painfully i feel our kinship never mind my good sir never mind her light careless tone never mind anything you like only don't leave me my treasure i am afraid to be alone then i go out into the corridor again listen in a tremor i have no dinner i don't notice the approach of evening at last about eleven i hear the familiar footstep and at the turn near the stairs zinaida fyodorovna comes into sight are you taking a walk she would ask as she passes me you had better go out into the air good-night but shall we not meet again to-day i think it's late but as you like tell me where have you been i would ask following her into the room where to monte carlo she took ten gold coins out of her pocket and said look my good sir i have won that's at roulette oh nonsense as though you would gamble why not i am going again to-morrow i imagined her with a sick and morbid face in her condition tightly laced standing near the gaming-table in a crowd of cocottes of old women in their dotage who swarm round the gold like flies round the honey i remembered she had gone off to monte carlo for some reason in secret from me i don't believe you i said one day you wouldn't go there don't agitate yourself i can't lose much it's not the question of what you lose i said with annoyance has it never occurred to you while you were playing there that the glitter of gold all these women young and old the croupiers all the surroundings that it is all a vile loathsome mockery at the toiler's labour at his bloody sweat oh if one doesn't play what is one to do here she asked the toiler's labour and his bloody sweat all that eloquence you can put off till another time but now since you have begun let me go on let me ask you bluntly what is there for me to do here and what am i to do what are you to do i said shrugging my shoulders 
that's a question that can't be answered straight off i beg you to answer me honestly vladimir ivanitch she said and her face looked angry once i have brought myself to ask you this question i am not going to listen to stock phrases i am asking you she went on beating her hand on the table as though marking time what ought i to do here and not only here at nice but in general i did not speak but looked out of window to the sea my heart was beating terribly vladimir ivanitch she said softly and breathlessly it was hard for her to speak vladimir ivanitch if you do not believe in the cause yourself if you no longer think of going back to it why why did you drag me out of petersburg why did you make me promises why did you rouse mad hopes your convictions have changed you have become a different man and nobody blames you for it our convictions are not always in our power but but vladimir ivanitch for god's sake why are you not sincere she went on softly coming up to me all these months when i have been dreaming aloud raving going into raptures over my plans remodelling my life on a new pattern why didn't you tell me the truth why were you silent or encouraged me by your stories and behaved as though you were in complete sympathy with me why was it why was it necessary it's difficult to acknowledge one's bankruptcy i said turning round but not looking at her yes i have no faith i am worn out i have lost heart it is difficult to be truthful very difficult and i held my tongue god forbid that any one should have to go through what i have been through i felt that i was on the point of tears and ceased speaking vladimir ivanitch she said and took me by both hands you have been through so much and seen so much of life you know more than i do think seriously and tell me what am i to do teach me if you haven't the strength to go forward yourself and take others with you at least show me where to go after all i am a living feeling thinking being to sink into a false position to play an absurd part is painful to me i don't reproach you i don't blame you i only ask you tea was brought in well said zinaida fyodorovna giving me a glass what do you say to me there is more light in the world than you see through your window i answered and there are other people besides me zinaida fyodorovna then tell me who they are she said eagerly that's all i ask of you and i want to say too i went on one can serve an idea in more than one calling if one has made a mistake and lost faith in one one may find another the world of ideas is large and cannot be exhausted the world of ideas she said and she looked into my face sarcastically then we had better leave off talking what's the use she flushed the world of ideas she repeated she threw her dinner napkin aside and an expression of indignation and contempt came into her face all your fine ideas i see lead up to one inevitable essential step i ought to become your mistress that's what's wanted to be taken up with ideas without being the mistress of an honourable progressive man is as good as not understanding the ideas one has to begin with that that is with being your mistress and the rest will come of itself you are irritated zinaida fyodorovna i said no i am sincere she cried breathing hard i am sincere you are sincere perhaps but you are in error and it hurts me to hear you i am in error she laughed anyone else might say that but not you my dear sir i may seem to you indelicate cruel but i don't care you love me you love me don't you i shrugged my shoulders yes shrug your shoulders she went on sarcastically 
when you were ill i heard you in your delirium and ever since these adoring eyes these sighs and edifying conversations about friendship about spiritual kinship but the point is why haven't you been sincere why have you concealed what is and talked about what isn't had you said from the beginning what ideas exactly led you to drag me from petersburg i should have known i should have poisoned myself then as i meant to and there would have been none of this tedious farce but what's the use of talking with a wave of the hand she sat down you speak to me as though you suspected me of dishonourable intentions i said offended oh very well what's the use of talking i don't suspect you of intentions but of having no intentions if you had any i should have known them by now you had nothing but ideas and love for the present ideas and love and in prospect me as your mistress that's in the order of things both in life and in novels here you abused him she said and she slapped the table with her hand but one can't help agreeing with him he has good reasons for despising these ideas he does not despise ideas he is afraid of them i cried he is a coward and a liar oh very well he is a coward and a liar and deceived me and you excuse my frankness what are you he deceived me and left me to take my chance in petersburg and you have deceived me and abandoned me here but he did not mix up ideas with his deceit and you for goodness sake why are you saying this i cried in horror wringing my hands and going up to her quickly no zinaida fyodorovna this is cynicism you must not be so despairing listen to me i went on catching at a thought which flashed dimly upon me and which seemed to me might still save us both listen i have passed through so many experiences in my time that my head goes round at the thought of them and i have realised with my mind with my racked soul the man finds his true destiny in nothing if not in self-sacrificing love for his neighbour it is towards that we must strive and that is our destination that is my faith i wanted to go on to speak of mercy of forgiveness but there was an insincere note in my voice and i was embarrassed i want to live i said genuinely to live to live i want peace tranquillity i want warmth this sea here to have you near oh how i wish i could rouse in you the same thirst for life you spoke just now of love but it would be enough for me to have you near to hear your voice to watch the look in your face she flushed crimson and to hinder my speaking said quickly you love life and i hate it so our ways lie apart she poured herself out some tea but did not touch it went into the bedroom and lay down i imagine it is better to cut short this conversation she said to me from within everything is over for me and i want nothing what more is there to say no it's not all over oh very well i know i am sick of it that's enough i got up took a turn from one end of the room to the other and went out into the corridor when late at night i went to her door and listened i distinctly heard her crying next morning the waiter handing me my clothes informed me with a smile that the lady in number thirteen was confined i dressed somehow and almost fainting with terror ran to zinaida fyodorovna in her room i found a doctor a midwife and an elderly russian lady from harkov called darya mikhailovna there was a smell of ether i had scarcely crossed the threshold when from the room where she was lying i heard a low plaintive moan and as though it had been wafted me by the wind from russia i thought of orlov his irony polya the neva the drifting snow then the cab without an apron 
the prediction i had read in the cold morning sky and the despairing cry nina nina go in to her said the lady i went in to see zinaida fyodorovna feeling as though i were the father of the child she was lying with her eyes closed looking thin and pale wearing a white cap edged with lace i remember there were two expressions on her face one cold indifferent apathetic the other a look of childish helplessness given her by the white cap she did not hear me come in or heard perhaps but did not pay attention i stood looked at her and waited but her face was contorted with pain she opened her eyes and gazed at the ceiling as though wondering what was happening to her there was a look of loathing on her face it's horrible she whispered zinaida fyodorovna i spoke her name softly she looked at me indifferently listlessly, and closed her eyes i stood there a little while then went away at night darya mihailovna informed me that the child a girl was born but that the mother was in a dangerous condition then i heard noise and bustle in the passage darya mihailovna came to me again and with a face of despair wringing her hands said oh this is awful the doctor suspects that she has taken poison oh how badly russians do behave here and at twelve o'clock the next day zinaida fyodorovna died end of chapter seventeen recording by expatriate in bangor maine